Morning, church. Morning. <laughs> so, um, you're stuck with me again this morning? <laughs> Shouldn't take any more than an hour and a half or so. We're good. <laughs> okay. No dose. Yeah, no, good. <clears throat> so, those of you who haven't, you know, uh, been here when I'm here uh, up front. Um, I am going to ask for inputs later on, so you know, the, you know, uh, just please uh, don't let silence just you know <laughs> echo around. You know, so uh, I will uh, ask for some input. Please uh, chime in when you're able. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say too is that uh, I'll be talking uh, some examples you know, as I tend to do, about me, okay, in terms of how I react to things, um, and in this case, anxiety and fear. Um, it's been rumored that I actually do uh, fit into the human species, uh, and I know I'm different, but um, uh, I use those examples because they're just, you know, me, right? Um, but I hope that they'll, they'll be something you can uh, you know, say, gee, that sounds kind of similar or spur you to thinking about the subject. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, is the subject of fear and anxiety. Um, uh, they're very real. Um, long time ago in Rome, there was a man named Cicero and uh, made a statement that I thought was kind of interesting. Fear is the result of a disordered mind. Think about that. Fear is the result or product of a disordered mind. And we'll talk a little bit more about what I mean by that. Also, some of you, I, I think, you know, some, some of you are old enough to remember this movie. Do you remember the movie Dune? Okay. You remember the movie Dune, the old science fiction movie, um, and uh, in it, the, the character, the, the lead, uh, so to speak, is Paul Atreides, okay? And uh, we can't go into the whole story about Dune, but he, he also makes a statement on the subject of fear in the, in the movie, uh, early on, as a matter of fact. Fear is the mind killer is what he said. And that's always struck me, kind of an interesting statement. Fear is the mind killer. In our society today, we've been told all, many years now that we need to throw away the baggage of religion and Christianity. It's superstition, it's not real and that the only way that, that humans can get better and uh, we as a species can advance is that we throw away this outdated belief. But the trouble is, if you look at the result of that in our world and in our culture today, the world's not better for having tried to do that, try to put Christianity over here to the side and say, we're, we're all grown up now. We don't need this. Our society's not better off, right? 
reading in a couple of articles recently, uh, suicides are young, uh, uh, among young adults, millennials even, uh, are on the rise. Why is that? Why is it that, that, that young people looking forward to so much ahead of them and they're saying, I can't deal with this. I can't, I can't cope. We see it in other ways in our society. Two other articles I've read recently. One uh, was talking about uh, drinking in the United States now is, is back to where it was at pro before prohibition in terms of its prevalence. And, and remember, prohibition, uh, you know, you may disagree with the attempt to outlaw the drinking of alcohol. And, uh, you know, it turned out not to be good, right? It produced a whole host of other things, uh, Ill illegality in particular, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, rise of gangs, et cetera, trying to uh, uh, smuggle alcohol or produce alcohol. Um, so, you know, at one time, at least in the United States, there was this attempt to try to deal with the, the, the thing, and I, I think prohibition was the wrong way to do it, but it, because in that day, it was a big problem, right? And we see it a problem today. They say, likewise, binge drinking upon females is up dramatically, okay, in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, okay? And why is that? I think people are, are you know, have, have this feeling like, ah, life is too difficult. Life is, is too much work. And, you know, the term adulting is, is, is out there, you know. This adulting job is pretty tough. And I think that people, uh, you know, so again, the, we've tried to take away faith and, and the result is, I can't cope. Okay, and we see that displayed in a lot of different ways. Those are just some particular examples. This is a subject for us, all right? It's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, people of faith, um, but still, how do we deal with fear and anxiety? So, you know, I was thinking about this particular subject, and I thought maybe it was time to, to take an opportunity, uh, this opportunity to talk about it. So, two words, anxiety and fear. What do you think anxiety is? What do you think it is? when you're anxious about something. Jan. Okay. Just doesn't, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I don't know what to do. I've never faced this before. Or, uh, you know, it could be a current situation or it could be the fear or concern that it's gonna be a, a situation that arises and I won't know what to do. Consequences. Consequences. Right. Okay. I might, fail. I might fail. I'm going to be faced with a situation in my life to come up, and I'm not going to know what to do. I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to be able to put the pieces together. I'm not going to be able to fix it. I'm not sure how I'm going to feel when I'm in that situation. Right? We get anxious. Okay. 
so how would you differentiate that from fear, being anxious? Is it any different? I think that is generally how people would look at it. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's more of an emotional thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a bigger response to a situation. Again, it could be something in the past. Uh, I, I don't know how to deal with this, and, and, and there are those fears, and, and therefore I get more emotional about it. It could be uh, something that happened in the past, and I'm fearing consequences in the future. Or it's, I'm looking at situations in the future, and again, you know, there's this greater response uh, to it. So I think, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, let me take. I, I think that uh, when I think about it, anxiety is something that we really can't control, but fear is something that I think allows us to be able to control by the Lord. Because fear is a good thing. Fear will keep us alive. Uh, fear will keep us safe. Uh, it's something that is there to help us, but also we have to remember God tells us to be self, have to practice self-control. So we are to be in control of our emotions, in control of the things that we know we can be in control of. And the anxiety part of it, we have to get them. So hold on to that thought, okay, because we're going to come back to that for sure. Ralph. Yeah, I just was trying to think about whether fear has a more object to it. You fear something. Whereas anxiety is more a general, all-encompassing kind of thing. Yeah. But, and I'll be getting back to it, and I'm, you're probably heading this way. At first I said, well, God says, do not fear in the Bible. But he also says, no, no, be anxious. So, so I guess both of them are falling into that category. Right. So the anxiety that we have and the fear that we have are, are human things, okay? They're, they're kind of how our makeup happens. Uh, but the question is, when do they reach a point where they're all-consuming? You know, they're, they're keeping us uh, una you know, unable to move forward or unable to do things that we're supposed to be doing. So anxiety, let, let's, you know, uh, one, one particular person put it this way. said uh, anxiety is a... Um, is a diffuse, unpleasant, vague sense of apprehension. Okay? And it's response to an unknown threat caused by the possibility that could arise. A chronic sense of worry or tension is the way another person put it. That's just that, you ever have that happen? It's just, you know, I, I've described before in different times of, of how uh, in my backyard I planted a couple nut trees maybe about 15 years ago. And they provide a nice little shade area. And then I, uh, because I like to sit there, my hammock's there, uh, you know, I went all out, I put a little patio in there for me, and it's, you know, kind of a nice place, and I hang out there in the summertime, right? And so I can be there, and it's a glorious summer day, and I've been working all morning, and I've accomplished a lot, and it's like I should be able to sit under there and just enjoy it. Gorgeous day, right? The back of my head, there's something that's causing me to not be able to fully enjoy that place and that time. There's an unease. 
I've left something undone. I know I've left something undone, and I just can't remember what it is. And, and somehow I don't allow myself to just to relax and enjoy the time. I have to be worrying about something. Doesn't sound familiar, right? <laughs> it, and, and so what I find sometimes when I have those situations where I should just be enjoying it, right? Things are going really well in a lot of ways, and yet in the back of my head I'm looking for something to make me uneasy. And I start thinking about like list of things. I literally will do this. I'll take an inventory. Oh, I can't be feeling this good. There's got to be something that I'm not doing. Yeah, something that, 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 that you know, I, I, I can't be feeling this good. That's anxiety, right? It's being in a situation and just, eh, I'm not really sure why I don't feel right, but something's bothering me. And it is partly because I, you know, I worry about doing things when I'm supposed to be doing things, right? And, uh, you know, did I take care of everything I'm supposed to? And so I have to go through a list in the back of my head and then say, oh, okay, yeah, that list is pretty long. Now I can worry about it. Now I feel better. <laughs> Fear is an emotional response to a known or definite threat. There's a clear and present object of the fear, past or future. But these can consume us. Back to those two quotes I gave you. Fear is the product of a disordered mind. And we'll talk about why. Fear being a soul killer, it, it, it really can weigh us down. It can, it can cause us to be unable to move forward. It can, it can be that, that just that ever-present nagging thing there that just makes us uncomfortable. Albert Einstein said, life is like riding a bicycle. Now evidently, he actually was thinking about his, his theory of the conservation of, of energy, uh, and he came with that theory while he was riding a bike. All right? Now bikes are pretty cool, right? They can be lots of fun. But I want you to think back to a situation where a child's learning to ride the bike for the first time. Right? Could be you. Could be you and your children, you and your grandchildren. And what happens? Child's been on a bike. Maybe it's a, got you know, training wheels on the back. Maybe they've only been on a tricycle or the Hot Wheels or something similar to that. Right? But now the decision's made to take off the training wheels, to bring out the bike and, and say, okay, you're going to learn to ride this by yourself. Do you remember that situation? Sit the child on the bike, and what's the problem? It tips without the training wheels, and, when, it, it, and you, you know, it, it, it's tippy. And the, the, the handlebars go like this. And the child's on there. It's like, what do you want me to do? Well, I want you to take your feet off the ground, put them on the pedal, 
turn it, and keep going, and everything will be okay. Does that work? Well, what? What? Eventually it works. But you can just, you know, think about what the child's going through. Right? I don't know how to do this. You're telling me it, it, this is what will happen, but I don't understand it. How is this going to work? With, it's already tippy when I'm just sitting on it, and you want me to take my feet off the ground, start pedaling, and you're telling me it's going to be okay. There's disbelief, isn't there? Uh, you're going to hold me, Daddy? You're not going to let go of me, right? No, 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 I'm, I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to let go, and, and I'm just going to hold on to the handlebar and the bike, and we're going to start moving down the, the sidewalk or the driveway or whatever you're, where you're at, and don't worry, it will be okay. They don't like that. Don't worry about it, it's going to be okay, do they? Why? It's scary. It's scary. They hear you saying it's going to be fine, but they haven't seen it be fine. They don't understand the, the, the you know, how's it going to be fine? Could be you've already tried this with them before, and what happened last time? They fell off the bike, and they skinned their hands or their knees, and you want me to try it again? We're often like that child, right at that point in time, being told to go out and ride the bike, but there's that fear and apprehension of how this is going to work. I think that's life in some way. We, even some of us who are older, and some who aren't, aren't so old, we may not be at that age of a child, but I think we oftentimes are that way. Even when we're older. There's things that are in front of me that I don't know how I'm going to deal with. You know, my father's death was a hard one. I had been close to my dad for a lot of years, and we had worked together. They lived right close to us. We always had family gatherings, and my dad was always part of my life. I didn't know how I was going to deal with the situation, right? It's declining health and now he's passing away. So even as my age, 63, I was like the kid on the bike. Anxious, what's coming? How am I going to feel if this happens? How am I going to deal with it? Give you another idea of how this works. Once in a while, not even every year, but once in a while, I sit down and we'll play a game, a video game, a PC game, uh, and I'll play it for a couple, two, three weeks, and I'll spend maybe 10, 15 hours, maybe 20 hours a week for a while. I do this infrequently. The game I like to play is a game called Rome 2. Rome 2. You may be familiar with it, you may not. But the idea of this game is that you're building an empire. Okay, as if you were, you know, a leader of uh, Rome or a faction of the Roman Empire. Okay, 
So usually what happens is, you know, I'm still, even after I've done this maybe for about five years now, I'm still figuring out what works and what doesn't work. What's the best strategy to build up the empire and, and to succeed against all these other computer-generated enemies, right? And they're, they're trying to do the same thing at the same time I'm trying to do it. And so recently when I was doing that, uh, back in December, I had a really good empire going. I, was real, I, I had figured out the mechanics of it, and things were going well, and I was conquering more and more, and, and nobody was as strong as I was. And, it's, and then the game said, in a couple turns, it's going to be a civil war. In other words, within my faction, there was going to be a civil war, and there was going to be a you know, break-off of this other group, and they were going to end up with part of my empire. I got anxious. <laughs> it's a game, but I got anxious. Why? It's a stupid game. But I invested time in it, right? But I had vested time, and so then my, as soon as I got that notice, it, you know, it, it sort of gave me maybe in five turns it's going to go bad. So what did I first start thinking I, I needed to do? What could happen, and how do I protect myself from what could happen? Right? I started investing energy in that, right? Stupid game, and it's making me anxious. This is recreation. So we're like the child on the bike, and we start thinking about how can I control that which is going to happen in my, around the next corner? How can I make it not so bad? How can I mitigate how bad it's going to be? And we envision the situation that's going to exist in the future, and we invest a lot of time in thinking about that problem. We get consumed with that sometimes, right? That is many times this unease going on in the back of our head, right? That anxiousness is because we're thinking, I'm worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or next day, next month, next year. And we spend a lot of time investing in it. I think we're like me playing that silly game. We want to fix the problem before it happens. And so we're threatened by those things might ha that might happen. My little empire might dissolve and might, my, my, you know, all that effort might go away. So what are we worried about in the future? We're worried about things like our health. We're worried about our job. We're worried about our financial condition. We're worried about, you know, will I be able to, as, if I retire, will I be able to to you know, pay medical bills down the road, and and you know, we'll be financially solvent later on. So I'm trying to manage my little empire in my daily life, right? So this is what we get faced with, and this is what our daily life can be like as we get consumed in that fashion. Now, some of it I think we do need to be diligent about, right? We're asked to be good stewards by our Heavenly Father. We're asked to, you know, uh, 
take care of our families, and there's, there's all kinds of things that are a part of that. But it's sometimes a fear and anxiety that becomes, comes along with that that is not what our Heavenly Father wants us to do, to take on, to carry as a burden day after day. We fear, you know, will I ever recover from the situation that's around the, 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 the corner, right? Will I ever get my empire back to where it needs to be? Will I ever be successful with it? By the way, I was. I dealt with the situation. There was a civil war, but I figured it out, right, as I went along. Right? Because I couldn't, I, I, I did not, how it unfolded was not what I expected. Right? So my thinking about it beforehand wasn't very useful. I had to wait till the situation came along and then, you know, you figure out what the alternatives are. I think sometimes our fear and anxiety is because we are created beings. We want to be in charge of it all, right? We don't want to be trusting our creator. And in some sense, I think it can be a little bit of rebellion there. If you're the adult and you've got the child on the ready to go on the bike, right? What do we know the child doesn't know? I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. That they will succeed in this. It's going to be okay. Al. We'll learn, right? What are we counting on? when we say that to the child? They're going to do their part. They're going to help. They're going to steer. And they're going to trust what I say that says it's going to work out okay. And why do I make that statement? Because I have done it. It happened to me. Right? And so the child, though, doesn't know that. Right? So what do we tell them? All we tell them is, get on the bike, I'm going to hold you up, I want you to start pedaling, and then we'll see what happens. Ooh. And, and, and by the way, you've got to put the helmet on. If everything's going to be okay, why do I need a helmet, right? <laughs> but no, no, it'll be okay. Just do what I say. We've seen it, we've learned how to ride bikes ourselves, and we know that what? You have to not just turn the pedal a little bit, you have to do what? It's better if you do a little bit more, right? Get a little motion going. And what do we know? We know that that gives us stability. 
So when it feels all wobbly, and you first put your feet off the ground and put them onto the pedal, it's all wobbly, and the, the handlebar's going like this, we know that if you go a little bit faster, it smooths out, right? And then if you tip a little bit, you steer in that direction, and it makes you go upright again. We know there's something the child doesn't know. I got into this and I said, okay, well, what is it that does that? Why are, what are the mechanics? What are the physics beyond it? Okay, that, that, are be, that aren't visible to the child. Maybe even we don't see it or understand it. And I looked it up, and it, actually you can get into some pretty heavy physics and a lot of different opinions about what it is exactly and what it can be about bike design that is effective and make sure that if you're on a bike that, it, that you can stay upright and you can go where you want to go and it does work out all fine. But the child doesn't know that when you're first starting out. <clears throat> There are forces that are not seen to the child that make the bike tend to go upright once it's in motion. It can't be understood by the child and maybe even not by the adult helping the child, but they're real, they exist, and they're effective. We're like the child on the bike. And we can be that like the child of saying, I don't know how to do this life thing. I don't know how it's going to work. But there is a reality in our lives like the child riding the bike. The reality is we are not alone in this world. Right? I'd like you to turn. There's two passages I wanted us to look at. I'd like you to look to the first one. In uh, actually, I have them, I have them in, in biblical order, so to speak, in the order they show in the Bible. But I actually want to start with the Isaiah passage first. So Isaiah chapter 41, starting with verse 10. You don't have to get there, but if, you know, that's where I'm going to read from. Uh, if you want to follow along, that's great. Chapter 41, the heading of the chapter says, The Helper of Israel. And verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Skip down to verse 13. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, O worm Jacob, O little Israel. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord. In this passage in Isaiah, it's talking about God, and he's making these statements about the nation of Israel. And as a group, God has committed himself to them, and what does he say? What is his promise? And this is a promise that is uh, uh, upheld by his faithfulness down through all the generations, and by his power, the power that created the universe. And what does he say to the nation of Israel? 
I will help you. He says what? I will extend my right hand to help you. And very specifically, he says, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. That's like, holding, that's like us holding the bike, right? God is the one who's holding us up. That is his promise he makes to the nation of Israel. Because what happens with the child on the bike? We start out saying, don't worry, I'll hold you. And then we tell the child to start pedaling. And what happens? We move them along a little bit, and then we take our hand off the handlebar. Right? And then we kind of go to the back of the bike. And we go this, right? And the kids, you know, concentrating on the whole thing. And, you know, hey, I'm riding, Dad. Dad. Dad, where are you? Dad. And then you're, you know, 20 yards behind, you know, and the kid's like, what happened? And then they, they fall over, you know, then they stop, right? But it's, it's, they learn, it's that motion that they figured out. And you repeat it. Yeah. God says, I will extend, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then the, uh, in verse 13 it says what? For I am the Lord God who takes you of your right hand. Our right hand is in God's right hand. That's the type of God we have. That he wants to be in relationship with us. And in that relationship he is going to uphold us. He is going to be the one in charge. Not us. We need to be like the child riding that bike, not knowing what's going to keep him up, but as we take steps forward in our life, we have to be trusting on this real, true, effective reality of who our God is. Turn over to Joshua, if you would. So again, it's, it, you know, if, if you want to follow along, no requirement to do so, uh, it actually... Uh, precedes of uh, uh, Isaiah, so you have to go back to the earlier part. Uh, chapter 1 of Joshua. Joshua has given a task. Moses has led the nation of Israel, left them, led them out of Egypt and all the troubles there, led them through all the time in the desert. And Joshua now has been chosen to be the, later, the, the leader of the Israelites as they go into the promised land and to conquer that land in which God has promised them. And so Joshua chapter 1 starts with God talking to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to you, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert and from Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the great sea on the west. 
No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What is God telling Joshua? Joshua's got this tough role now. He's got to, first of all, he's got to fill the, the role of Moses, but he's got to lead the people through a difficult future. But what's God telling him about that future? Stay in contact with me, number one. All right, what else? Ralph? Be strong and courageous, but why? How can you be strong and courageous? I'm with you, and this is going to be a fulfillment of what I've already promised this nation and this people. Because of what I promised back in time, I'm going to make it happen. And he's already made it happen by redeeming them and getting them under, out of the hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians and brought them to the promised land. They're, they're right there at the Jordan River. They're going to cross over. So they've seen God's hand. They know he's made the promise. So Joshua, even though he's faced with the task, he's saying, be strong and courageous. Why? What's he counting on? Just like we count on when we ride that bike. We can count on if we do what we're supposed to do, right? Keep those pedals moving. That you'll stay upright. Don't be terrified. And remember, this is the Joshua. This is one of the spies who went into the promised land when he was, you know, asked to, uh, you know, many years prior. And he's one of the ones that said, yeah, hey, we can do this. Right? He was one of two spies that said that. The other ten said no. And the people of Israel said no as a result. So now he's going back to the same guy and saying, hey, don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Go ahead. Do it. The second part of Einstein's quote, life is riding, like riding a bicycle, the second part of his, the, uh, he, was, he was written to say that, uh, that we need to, um, uh, as he expounded on his point, to keep your balance, we must keep moving. And that's exactly right. That's how it works. And that's how life is there's going to be stuff in our future that causes us concern. We're anxious about it. Our job is to do what? Like Joshua, be strong, courageous, and do 
what God has asked you to do? Huh? Keep peddling. It's a simple analogy, but we're, we're not doing this on our own. Because that's what we think many times. We're like the world, and that's why the world's dealing with its issues. Hey, I don't need God, but then why, do they, why are they all fearful and anxious? Right? Why is that such a prevalent thing in our culture today? The reality is it's because they have forgotten this. The disordered mind that Cicero was talking about, okay, is because our culture has left God out of the equation. And unfortunately, likewise, sometimes as Christians, we have forgotten the magnitude of the importance of who loves us. And his promises made to us. And with promises that we have seen fulfilled. And we can count on us as we move forward. We count on those same promises made and fulfilled in the past. Because why? We are in his right hand. That's how much he cares for each and every one of us. So it's... It's necessary for us to lay hold of the truths that we can read here. And, you know, this is just, like I said, this is just a, a couple of things I've picked out. But we can see this throughout Scripture, right? God has a plan. Our difficulty is the day-to-day. -day. But we need to... How do I say this? Do you remember riding the bike for the first time? Or when you see the kids ride the bike for the first time, what do you get when you see them riding it? And it's successful. And they're, they're, get, they're doing it on their own. What do they do? There's joy, right? There's joy there. It's like, oh, this is working. This is working like you said it was going to work. And sometimes, you know, they, they've gone along, and suddenly they realize you're not there, and they, they jump off the bike, and they come back to you, and they say, oh, that was cool. And what do they say? Let's do it again! No, it's not always rosy, you know. Dan at his aunt's house, you know, they were riding the bike down the driveway, which had a steep hill, riding around the back and riding up the other side. And this was before helmets. And so he's riding down there. The chain slips off the bike, the sprocket. It's a coaster bike, so there go the brakes. And Dan kisses the tree on the backside. Ambulance ride, the whole deal, you know. Um, those things are going to happen. But we've got to be like getting back on the bike, and there's great joy in riding along at a greater speed than we can walk. It's almost effortless, okay? Bikes are extremely efficient, okay? So that's where we need to be is not in fear and anxiety, but rolling along on the bike and enjoying it all. So, those two uh, verses I would strongly recommend you kind of set them aside the next couple weeks. Think about them, okay? Particularly when you've got that 
nagging fear in the back of your mind, that thing that's causing you to, 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 to say, uh, I just don't feel really very joyous. Lay hold of the reality of what happens when we ride the bike. There's something there we don't see, but it is real. And that is God's hand. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great grace to us. Lord, we know that you, you do love us. You care about each and every one of us. You created us for a reason. Lord, I pray that we would lay hold of that. That we would not listen to the rest of the world, but we would hold on to the truths that we read in front of us. And that we know we've seen in our own lives too. That we would not be uh, living lives of anxiety and fear, but we would be living lives of, uh, of, of just being uh, courageous while we do the things that you've called us to do in this life and in this world. Lord, we thank you for your great faithfulness to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.